What up, my homies? Okay, I hope you caught part one of this powerhouse conversation with my girl, the iconic Layla Homozi. She's the CEO of a hundred plus million dollar company, Acquisition.com, with her hubby, Alex Homozi. And she's a total freaking badass when it comes to hardcore mindset, discipline, and scaling her way to success. She didn't start anywhere close to that. And her journey from adversity to resilience and success is exactly why Layla stands apart, why she commands total respect, and why her raw, genuine authenticity will leave you fired up, just like I am right now, ready to go. And it's something Layla has in spades. But before we dive in, guys, I want to talk to you about unleashing that inner badass and elevating your listening experience with Women of Impact subscription service on Apple Podcasts. If you go over now, you get the first week for free and you can listen with zero ads and exclusive curated playlists on essential topics like health, confidence, business and relationships. So go over right now to apple.co slash women of impact and subscribe today now let's dive in with my girl Layla Hamosi. and the idea of wanting good things for your partner and as well as wanting good things for you I think is yeah very important juxtaposition to balance because to your point is like you, if you do want good things for them then yeah. don't try and bring them down but then look at yourself and this is what one of the many reasons I love you girl like it's the full ownership part like you, everything that we've been talking about today, you very much take full ownership. Not one point in this discussion ever have you pointed the finger at anybody else or anything else. How powerful is that full ownership to you? I just, dude, I just like literally, I'd never want to be a victim. Even if I am, what good does that do me to say that I am? I give away my power. So I just look at it like, even if when there are situations where I am clearly a victim in some way, acting like one does nothing for me. Do you have an example? When I was a kid. I think that was like the hallmark example of my life was that I lived with a mother who was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And in that house, you know, she would leave for weeks at a time. She was always drunk. And I have terrible memories. Uh, for seven years of my life. And I think in so many ways, I could have become a victim of that situation. I was a kid. I was young. I didn't have resources. But I didn't. Because I remember there was just one day, it was like she hadn't come home for maybe three days. And I was sitting in this room and I was calling her because I was worried that she was dead, honestly. And How old are you at this point? Nine. Nine or ten. And she wasn't answering, and it was like 3 a.m. And I hung up the phone, I called her, God, 20, 30 times. And I sat there, and I don't even know where this thought come from, came from, but I was sitting in that room, and I thought to myself, you just keep calling her, and like, you've done this before, like, nothing's gonna happen. Like, she's not coming home, she doesn't care, right? She's not cognizant enough to care. And then I literally just had the thought, I was like, you must make the rest of your life so much better than this. And you do not need to be a victim of this situation. And I remember thinking, you can be, you can find strength in this situation. Do not let this turn you into someone weaker. I just remember thinking all these thoughts. I was like, I just remember, it was like, I have to make this worth it. You know what I mean? And I think that was applied to my life. It's like, you have to make life worth it. And being a victim does you no justice. Like, it doesn't help you. 
saying I'm a victim of, you know, a terrible childhood, saying I'm a victim of a relationship, saying I'm a victim of being overweight, it has never helped me. And you know what I did is that I moved out of her house and I said, I, I'm not going to keep helping her. You know, even though I feel like there's all these things and reasons I should stay here, it's like, I'm going to do the thing that feels terrible and get out of this house as a kid, you know, and leave her on her own or whatever that means. And I think that that has transferred to so many areas of my life because that was the hardest thing that I ever did is moving out of that house because I thought she was going to die. And I loved my mom. And I look at that with every area of my life. And I'm, I see so many kids who go through such terrible things when they're kids. But the way that they react to those situations determines the rest of their life. And I think that that just applies to everything. You know, are you a victim of your marriage? Are you a victim of food? Are you a victim of something really terrible that happened to you? You know, I could extrapolate out the things that I went through in that house and it could sound awful. And people would think, how are you here today, right? But I don't because even, I don't even like to talk like a victim. I don't even want to relive those things because at the end of the day, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for all the moments in which I'm in a room with Alex and people don't listen to me. I'm grateful for the times when I was overweight and people told me I'm fat because they've all led to where I am now. And I think that we wish for strength, but we don't wish for the conditions in which strength builds. When you said you don't like to talk about it, obviously we won't go deep because you just said you don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, how have you then moved on? And this is actually a discussion that I'm, I'm finding a lot in social media these days of everyone's talking about you must forgive, you must go back in time, you must heal a lot of the old wounds. Um, and sometimes though, there is power in not forgiving. And actually I had to guest on and that was the whole thing where she's like, no, I don't have to forgive. And I actually find the power in not forgiving someone. I find the power in not going back and, you know, looking at that. Um, how do you not, how do you heal that wound? I think when I was younger, I was very angry. That's what led to, you know, getting arrested and doing all those things. I felt angry that I didn't feel like I had a mother anymore, if that makes sense. Um, and I think I felt angry about a lot of things I just think, didn't think were fair, right? Um, and at the time when I was younger, I think that talking through helped to a degree until it didn't. And it wasn't until I put all of my focus on just building a life that would be so dope that I would forget about the past and it would make it all worth it. Like that was really what I focused on. It's like, how do you create such a compelling future that you don't even think about the past? I think that often we're so focused on the past, we can't even create a compelling future. You only have so much time to think about things during the day. And so I just found that I'm much happier focusing on the future. The weird thing is that the more that I have like built my life, I have, you know, I've, when I was younger, like my dad, he put me in different therapy and all this stuff to talk through my mom's stuff. And I think more than anything, what helped me was just, I just accepted it. I didn't try to change it. I didn't try to like think through the things that happened and how they've affected my behavior now. I accepted those things happened. And I look at my behavior now as a decision I'm making as an adult. You know, I am not a child and I can make decisions. I can observe I have behavior that's not conducive to what I want and I can change it if I want to. Mm -hmm. And I think that often 
for me at least, what's, what's worked is that I don't have to go back to the past to decide why I am the way I am because I found that it doesn't make a difference to if I change it or not. In fact, sometimes it delays it because it's like, oh, I have to figure out the reason of why I do this thing in order to then change it. I just say, I do this thing, how can I change it? And I think that, that has, that's worked well for me. And I think it, it takes, you know, for people who are younger or maybe it's like the thing that happened is more recent. It takes time because I think that when something bad happens, it takes, there's a long tail until you see the benefits that you can create from that thing. And I think that I was able to realize a lot of benefits because I really believe that if my parents hadn't gotten divorced and my mom hadn't gone down that path and, you know, kind of just become a different person, I don't know if I would have been who I am today. I don't know if I would have had leadership ability. I don't know if I would have been able to lead myself, to lead others, because I think I would have been kept in a very different environment. But because she did what she did, I had to learn how to raise myself in many ways, you know, take care of myself. And I think that is something I've been able to recall at many times. And now I see the benefit of that. I see how it's benefited me in life. And so I truly am grateful for it. It's not BS when I say it. You know, I used to hear people say, I'd be like, okay. Um, <laughs> you, know, sure. you don't shot me as a BS person, girl. Right. Like, I'm like, oh, better than thou. Um, but no, I am because I've seen the benefits. And so I think that for a lot of people, they just ha they, they have to get through like the, the period of crap to then see the benefits of it and how it can transfer to many er other areas of life if you're able to use what you learn for good. How have you um, learned to build boundaries as an adult if as a child you didn't necessarily see that? I think it changed when I moved out of the house with her. I think that I realized that I not holding boundaries with someone else hurts them as well. You know, like me staying there, complying, allowed her to remain, it was acceptable. What she was doing was acceptable. And then I changed the environment and made it unacceptable because I left. And I do think that that helped her change at that time. Now I don't, you know, things have happened since, but I think at the time it was an initiation of change for her so in terms of how that applies now, I actually think that I, I went the opposite and I set really hard boundaries with people for a while, especially after I cleaned my crap up after getting arrested. And then I think that I went from having really hard boundaries to then being too much of like serving others. When we started a company, I felt like I had to serve the entire company, everything, everyone except for myself. So it was like really hard boundaries because I was scared that I was going to let, like, not hold them hard enough and then someone would be able to violate them. Then it was like they were too soft and I think I've been able to find a nice middle ground now. How did you then swing back to setting the boundaries? Like, at what point did you realize, oh, I've gone too soft? When I realized that I felt resentful of decisions I had made. <laughs> You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm taking meetings from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. and I'm literally working all and people won't stop pinging me. You own the company, girl. <laughs> and it's your phone. It has an off button. It's your phone. It has a mute button. Right. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have, I have been the one that has done this. Right. And so, you know, I think that's the common theme is it's just always, it's always our responsibility. We always, you know, teach people what we tolerate. And I realized that 
I was doing that. And then I said, you know, I don't want to go back to what I was doing before. Because I think often it's like the pendulum swings here and then here and then we end up in the middle. Um, I try to always now just fast track to the middle. But I didn't. You know, I went the soft way. And then, and then I realized, you know, that's not sustainable. Though I felt like, okay, I have to be serving everyone. Well, if you're serving to the extent that you are resentful of others, then that tells me that I'm not respecting myself enough. I'm not, I'm not giving myself enough of what I need and want. And I also don't need to have reasons for that. I can just do it because I want to do it. And so I think I've taken that uh, probably that was about two and a half, three years ago. I, I realized that about, about myself. And then I, I've been able to find a nice middle ground. It's like maybe today I'm going to overserve the crap and I'm just going to extend myself. I can be like today, nothing for Layla. Like you don't get anything you want. But tomorrow I get everything I want. Or, I, or half and half. Yeah, I love that so much because, and I'd be curious to know, did you blame everyone else first and then you realized it was, oh, it's your company? Like, I can't believe they're calling me. I can't believe they're doing it. And the reason why I ask is boundaries is just a really big thing when we're talking about building our confidence. Boundaries, I think, is just absolutely imperative in order to build your boundaries because when you're building your confidence, you've got to start saying no a lot more. Um, you have to start pushing back on people that may be crossing the line. And so when you're building those boundaries, initially I had found myself going but if they just didn't do that then everything yeah. would be fine yeah. and then to your point then I realized oh I'm now actually the responsible party for my boundaries yes I think that a lot of it came from I didn't know how to set boundaries without being mean oh and I don't like to be mean to people <laughs> I don't like to make people feel bad if I don't have to I like really like to make people feel good and so I had to find a way to set boundaries that didn't even just not make people feel bad, but made them feel good, mm. right? And so I found a lot of that with just, the more I blame myself and the more I make it about me and that there's something, you know, it's my fault, my, I'll take that if it means that other people can feel good. Also accepting, like I used to feel like I had to over explain if I wanted to set a boundary. And now I'll be like, I just don't want to do that. And they'll be like, what? I just don't want to. And I think that when I felt like I had to over explain, it was like, first I felt mean because I, I am, I'm stressed when they're asking me. I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And the, the reason I don't want to is because, and then go into like over explaining. And now I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do that. And they're like, why? I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't like doing that. Right, how did you actually train yourself to do that? Go from one to the other. I just heard somebody say, you can want to do something or not do something and not provide a reason. And that at the time, provided me so much relief because I f I'm an over-explainer. It's like I never want someone to take something personally, so I always want to over-explain to them. But that is also a little bit annoying. <laughs> like, for yourself think, or for them? I think for both. <laughs> um, and so I realized, like, I waste so much time worrying about what other people think mm -hmm. of the boundaries I set or don't set. Or don't mm -hmm. set. And now I think that I've just allowed it to be just like, it doesn't matter. Let people judge me. Let people misunderstand me. I'm just, you have one life to live. You know what I mean? How are you okay with being misunderstood? Well, one, I can understand why so many times in my life I have been. Because I think, like, for example, like when I get nervous, I'm not like, I'm not myself, right? I'm not quite the same. I act a little bit differently. So like, even I remember when I first started making content, I felt like, gosh, do people not really understand who I am? And it's like, girl like look at yourself in the camera like you're not acting like yourself of course they don't understand right um and so i think one is like there's many times where i'm like i can understand why they wouldn't understand me right like this is confusing or it's not like anything else they've seen therefore they don't get it right like if we're 
if they don't have someone to compare you to, for example, like they want to, people want to put Lisa in a box and compare you to something because it, it helps understanding wise. But it's like, if they can't find that comparison, it's really hard to get what you are and who you are and what you're about. And so I think, you know, Alex said this to me one time. He said, I said, I was saying something to him. He was, he, he buys so many shoes. He buys like, legitimately like 30 pairs of shoes a month and just like always is trying on shoes to see which one's like the best shoe and I was like oh my god another seven boxes of shoes I said something and then I was kind of having a day and I was like being a little down to myself thinking like I feel like I'm so weird sometimes like I was doing this thing and I said this thing and I sounded like such a weirdo he said Layla look at this and he like points this fucking pile of shoe boxes he said would somebody not weird be married to me <laughs> <laughs> and then I just started cracking up and I was like no and he was like baby you're weird and I love you and you know what normal bland people aren't going to achieve what you achieve you're a little weird but that allows you to do what you do and I was like that's cool and I think it's hard to understand the more unique you are the more that you try to do that people haven't done I think the more you'll be misunderstood until one day you do it it becomes normal and then you make it understood for everybody else you know mm -hmm. if you own your own business when an employee leaves your company whether on good terms or bad it can feel i hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal like you and you alone are the one to blame and it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether well let's face it sometimes we can do that with highs as well and trust me guys i've been there i get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy but when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals which makes it the best place to hire because guys it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else and so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates and it's so easy in fact that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours so post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash lisa that's linkedin.com slash lisa to post your job for utterly free and of course terms and conditions always apply as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams 
a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Dude, that's so fascinating how you've thought of like the reality of, oh, yeah, people are going to misunderstand me, but then also projecting forward to what that ends up looking like down the road. Yeah. That's so powerful. Okay, so if you don't actually mind it taking me down, like, so now you've been married to Alex for seven years? Well, you've been together uh, for seven years. Been together seven, married six, yeah. Amazing. Um, how have you guys been able to navigate both of your careers, both of your evolutions, both of your changes? Because a lot of my audience are changing, right? That's why they're watching yeah. this episode, because they really want to change. And sometimes it becomes very difficult when you're in a loving relationship to be able to do that in the way that feels right for you, not what's right for your partner, but what's right for you, and still support your partner at the same time. Mm. It's a tough one. Um, I always go back to this one saying that I do think applies because there, there's so many times I speak to women and they're telling me these things their partner is saying. And I think to myself, negative things, you mean? the game yeah. is won in the draft. What does that mean? Marriage is one in who you pick. I have a hard time with it because... I think that there's a lot, I think more people put more effort into their wedding than their marriage. Mm, oh. More people put more thought behind what's my wedding gonna look like than what is my spouse gonna be like, you know? Like really, I feel like we live in that era of vanity. And so it's hard for me to give that kind of advice because if the fundamentals aren't there, if you hire an employee and they are not on board with the mission and they don't share values with you, all the rest, it's not really going to work because the fundamentals aren't aligned. And so for me, it's like if you don't pick somebody who can get on board with the mission that you have and can share the values, at least or at least respect yours, I feel like it is very hard to do everything else. So for us, when we first got married and we first even got into a relationship, when we talked about what we wanted, we said we want to be able to grow together. That means grow individually, but in the same overall direction because we have this mission together. So it's like, I'm growing here, he's growing here, but we're like holding hands along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's how I've always envisioned it, where I think a lot of people don't have that discussion of like, we both want to grow, but we want to grow in the same direction. So we still have, you know, shared values, you know, some shared interests. We have a shared mission and they, they grow like this. And like, then you're too far apart. And so that was a discussion that it was very relevant at the beginning of our marriage, which was making sure that we engineered an environment where we can grow individually and together at the same time. And I think that's why I, you know, it's not for everybody, but like what, why I've loved owning and being business partners while in marriage, because the thing we have together is the business. We get to grow in that together, learn how to make better decisions together learn how to lead people together better, learn how to you know, talk and communicate together better as business partners. At the same time, there's Alex as the founder of acquisition.com and Layla as the CEO of acquisition.com 
that are growing in their own individual paths, right? And then Layla as a person, Alex as a person. And so I think that for a lot of people, it's really hard to help your partner grow in who they are if you don't have one thing you're growing together. I've just observed it. It's like when I see marriages where people are actually excited for their partner to grow, they also have like one thing. It could be a kid. It could be the house project they're working on together. It could be a fucking dog. They have like one thing that they work on together that they get to grow together. Because I think at, at some point it's like if you're not working on something together, what's... It's not really a marriage. What is the... Yeah, what's there? Yeah. And so of course that that husband doesn't want to support that wife. She's just growing away from him. You know? So it's like, does your growth benefit him in some way? And I think that that's a weird question to ask, but I think about that. You know, how is how I'm developing as a person going to benefit Alex? And I really do think about that. I'm like, how would this all benefit Alex, things I'm doing for myself? And I'm like, here's how it benefits him. I can think of it. And I know he's smart enough to identify those things. And same with me and with him. That's what I was going to say. I assume it's vice right. versa. And I think well. that the best is when the ways in which that you're each growing can then transfer into the one thing you work on together. And so then you can really actualize the benefits of each other's individual growth because they're pouring it into one thing that you're also working on together. Yeah. Um, and how have you then been able to um, balance, or maybe you don't balance, right, the feminine and the masculine in you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I have observed for myself, one, I don't think I think in feminine and masculine as much as I used to. I think I've tried to like almost divorce myself from those terms. When we say it, we really mean like softer versus like hard and driven, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that for myself, being able to balance those two, it hasn't been about balancing. It's been about understanding what is beneficial for the environment. Am I at home alone with Alex after work? It's been a long day. Okay, well, masculine, powerful, driven, probably not going to be very receptive to that right now. Versus am I at work leading a meeting with 30 people on it? Like that's a time where I would like to call on some like driven, ambitious, masculine energy. And so for me, it's more about, I think if we're moving too fast, we conflate the two. And so work comes home because it's like you're working all day and then you're like, uh, on, a, on the phone call, on the way home from work, and you get in, and then you, like, forget that you're at home with your wife who, like, hasn't been at work with you all day, and she's, like, really excited to see you, and then you're, like, blah, 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 and you, like, blurt all the stuff, right? And it's, like, that's when, like, I think friction occurs. But I think um, early on, I got some advice, which was, like, just give yourself, like, one minute to switch hats between things. It's, like, okay. And I think in the beginning, when you're trying to balance the feminine and masculine, you're trying to Basically, it's like contextual, right? I think that within a given context, either one is appropriate or either mix is appropriate. It's when we carry it over to the next thing we're doing that it might not be appropriate. And I think that's where most people lack a skill is that they don't have the skill of identifying the environment, saying this is what would be most conducive to this environment and let me switch that hat right now. For me, it used to take me a long time to switch hats. And it would be like an hour, right? And then it was 30 minutes and then it was 20, now it's instant. So now I can go run a meeting with 20 people on it and go immediately into a one-on-one -on -one where someone is like very upset 
and then go immediately into a conversation with Alex where we're talking about like the two of us in our relationship. And that took five years of practicing putting on and off hats. But I think in the beginning, we're just learning what all that is, especially if it's like, say, it's a new relationship or it's a new job or it's a new, you know, you get a promotion or it's like your husband has a new job or there's now a kid involved or like, it's all that adds to the environment, changes it enough that we have to learn. And I think once it cements, we can change hats a lot faster. But in the beginning, I think it's normal to, to not feel like you can balance those things because I don't know if it's balancing so much as it is not being able to switch quickly. Because I think that's where a lot of the friction comes when you're trying to be with a spouse and say you're both very career driven. And then you're like, you bring a lot of that into the relationship. It's like, we just forgot to take off our hats. That's all. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I am, I've never thought about it of being more environmental. That's super interesting. For me, it was always just like what I'm wearing. Really? Because like even the show, I don't look like this on a normal day, right? Like yeah. when I'm when I'm got a business meeting, I'm not dressed to the nines and with all my jewelry and my makeup and my hair. Yeah. It's usually in a bun, scruffy, you know. And I realize, oh, when I really dress up, I feel powerful. When I sit up, I feel powerful. When I've got my hair done, I feel powerful. Yeah. When I've got my jewelry on, like these are like my Wonder Woman cuffs, like mentally. That's how I feel. And then I was like, what would it be like if I did the opposite? Because I so much show up in my masculine most of the day um i found it hard to transition into my feminine again because i had swung that you mentioned earlier because i was i was a stay-at-home wife for eight years supporting my husband then when we started business i swung really hard into the other way and then it was like well how do i find a beautiful mix because I actually really love being soft. I love being in my feminine. And yeah. so I was like, I have to do something that's deliberate for me to be able to transition. And so that was why I was like, what if I did the opposite? So my um, getting soft is me taking my jewelry off, putting like my Wonder Woman pajamas on, my fluffy Wonder Woman pajamas, you know, taking my hair up or taking my makeup yeah. off. And that act of doing it almost becomes like a stepping stone one by one totally. into going into my softness. I see it as stimulus. Mm. The environment, the people there could be a stimulus. Your outfit could be a stimulus. It's like that stimulus signals this. Yeah. Interesting. That's super powerful. I love yeah. the stimulus idea. Um, there was one th other thing I wanted to ask you. How do you handle jealousy? And the reason why I ask mm -hmm. is because that's, I think, very universal for a lot of us women to feel jealous or be triggered with jealousy if something happens to our spouse or our partner or a boyfriend that we're dating. And just knowing you guys, I mean, you're just freaking on fire, fire, getting more, you know, um, uh, followers and more famous, if you will. And I know that that comes with, I'm sure, a lot of, um, I'm just going to assume for now yeah, yeah. that a lot more women are going to hit on your husband if i can just be so blatant um it happened to my husband as quest was growing right the bigger the company gets the more successful the guy gets um the more women were just trying some stuff yeah. on with him so um have you had any jealous moments and if so how do you handle them it happens to both of us um i don't i'll say two things we talk about how we handle those things um so first off if either of us, we talked about this in the beginning of our marriage, if anyone is trying to form a relationship with us or approach us in that way, and we start, the moment that we realize it, we're like, we'll just ignore them. We just cut off communication. So, you know, he'd be like, that happened, has it happened a few times to him where like a, you know, woman maybe is talking to him and then he's like, hey, I just want you to know it started to feel weird. So I've just cut off communication. And I was like, thank you for letting me know. I'm like, cool. And I'll tell him the same thing. It's like, hey, 
you know, this person was talking to me. They said this one thing that felt really weird, didn't feel right to me. So I've just ignored them since then. And he's like, cool, thanks for letting me know. So I think the first thing is that we've talked about it before. You know, it's not like an untalked about thing. I also, you know, I'll say in terms of like me being jealous, I think it probably happened more in the beginning of the relationship, which I'm probably does for a lot of women, especially if you're dating people. Um, I would tell him if I felt that way, which was really hard for me. And so what I felt like I, I would do in the very beginning is, you know, there were a few times where Alex and I were in situations where I, I found it was always interesting. It was always older women felt like they could hit on him in front of me. I don't know why. Um, and I realized that what would happen is I would feel jealous. Then I'd be mad about the fact that I felt jealous. Like, why do you feel, this is irrational. This doesn't make sense. I would mad like, at yourself. I would, yeah, I'd be mad at myself, argue with it. And then I would kind of like go cold. Like I wouldn't want to talk. I'm just like, ugh, because I'm embarrassed that I felt that way. And so I found for me, I can at least control the embarrassed part. I can't control if I feel jealous or envious or whatever, but I can control feeling embarrassed by telling him. Most people uh, would think actually that that's, now you're embarrassing yourself more. I have found relief in it because at least I'm being honest. And then I feel like I, if I'm honest with him, that at least makes our marriage better. So I'd be like, you know, when we were having that and she kept touching you and she kept doing this and like, I actually felt jealous. And like, I'm a little embarrassed that I felt jealous, but I did. And then he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, I know I felt weird about that too. Something, something, blah, blah, blah. And then it feels like a conversation rather than like a secret that we have to keep to ourselves. And that I found was very useful to me um, in, the, in the times that I've felt that way. And I think that I seldom feel that way because Alex and I have talked about it enough that we have, I think a great piece of advice that we were given early on is that when you're married, it's very important the situations you put yourself in. So I actually saw a video the other day of a guy who said like, I don't go out past 1 a.m. because like, what good is that going to do my life? He's like, what good shit happens past 1 a.m. for me? And I actually was like, I don't like follow, follow this person, but I agreed with that because Alex and I talked about that. It's like, am I, you know, going to put myself in this situation where say, you know, uh, I'm, I go to the bar with all these single girls who like love to be hit on by guys. I also know married women who like to get hit on and flirt with guys, you know, and I, maybe I can be friends with them, but I'll only hang out with them with Alex there. Because I also don't want to put myself in a situation knowing that I'm going to have to, one, be like fighting guys off of me. Um, two, Alex is probably going to feel uncomfortable because he knows I'm having to do that. And then three, it's like, is there a net benefit from this situation? So Alex does the same thing. He's like, okay, well, am I going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to be constantly having to fight off girls who are you know, trying to get me to cheat on Layla? It's like, what... Is there going to be a net benefit to this situation or this environment that I'm putting myself in? So we talk a lot about that too, which is like, you know, making smart decisions in terms of like, we only have so much time and resources in our lives. Do I ever want to put myself in a situation where I feel like I'm going to make my marriage harder, not easier? And the answer is usually no, I don't want to do that. What's the difference then between that or doing something because your your partner demands it is it that you were both under you both agreed on it because as i was hearing the story right, i think it's so freaking beautiful but there is that other world where the partner's like don't go out and now you want to go out but it's so now you're listening to your partner 
and you're ignoring what you actually want and you're doing it for them and then you start to resent them and then it actually starts to be almost like controlling. Yeah. Um, I will say that we've never spoken to each other that way. So I, I don't command him. He doesn't command me, right? Um, we did agree on that in the beginning of like, how do we handle these situations, which I think is really important before you get married to talk about. Now, if you go into a situation and your partner says like, I don't want you to do that, I would probably take a step back and say, I really love and respect Alex. Why doesn't he want me to do that? He's somebody who I admire. He's somebody who I think is really smart. He's someone who I respect. And he's literally saying, I don't want you to do that. And then I'd be like, am I thinking the situation through? Like, am I being naive or ignorant to something that he sees and I don't? I think that's the first thing I would do. Is like, is there any part of what he's saying that is true? There's there's times where like, you know, I think you see, it's like maybe the, the partner sees something that you don't. And so I think that's a good thing to look at. Now, if you're saying, no, they're just completely being insecure in this situation, then I think I would think to myself, how can I, you know, say step forward in this situation but also not make it harder for my partner than I have to. Maybe it's like, okay, he said he didn't want you to go out. Be like, maybe I really want to go out. But like, what if I, you know, text you every hour? And then the next time I go out, I text you every two hours. Or it's like, I text you when I leave, I text you when I come home, so you know I'm safe. Like, whatever it is, right? Now, I think there's a difference because like, you know, there are definitely relationships that are like weird and like, you know, because like if Alex will leave and like, that guy does not, he's not a good texter. So it's like, if he goes and he's with people, like, I'm like, hope you're alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, so I think it is all about expectations and like talking about that ahead of time. Um, and I don't have, we've never just been in a situation where we fundamentally disagreed on something like that. So it's, it's hard for me to recall. Well, I love that you've actually just established. I think that's really where it starts from, right? Where you establish before you even really get deep into the relationship. How, like um, Tom and I call them the rules of engagement, right? What are our rules of engagement in our marriage? And do we agree to them? And then making sure that you identify what those are ahead of time yeah. so that you both are working in accordance, I think is super strong. And then there was that other piece that you said of like, it really does make a difference of how you see that person, right? You said, I respect him. I admire him. I look up to him. I, you know, want to listen to him. And so I think all of those points are a great way of assessing whether it's like, oh, if you respect them, if you really do cherish them and they, you think that they respect you back, then maybe there's something that you're not seeing. I think it's when it's, um, they can be someone who can be either overbearing or toxic or just yeah. com uh, commanding, um, that that's where it becomes, uh, I think, very detrimental to the relationship. Right. If somebody, we have a lot of influence over the people that we're in relationships with. And if somebody is using that to make your life worse, mm. I think that's different than you are making a decision that's maybe short-sighted and maybe they're looking at a long-term consequence of your decision. And then maybe you step back and say like, hey, maybe I'm not looking at the long-term consequences of this decision versus somebody who's trying to control you and you're looking at it saying, this is a good decision in the short and long-term and they're telling me not to do it. Yeah, I love that. Um, being in the fitness industry, I assume you've obviously gone to these like fitness events where a lot of women and guys, I mean, guys are just like shirtless, their muscles are, you know, bulging yeah. out. And then women are walking around in bikinis. And when we first started questing, it was like really growing. I remember um, being very jealous about the women that were trying to hit on my husband, like initially. And I immediately went to myself. It's like, why are you so insecure, Lisa? Yeah. Like, 
you trust your husband, don't you? And I was like, the answer was yes, right? So, okay, I trust him. I know that nothing's ever going to lead to this. So why are you insecure when you see maybe a woman talking to your husband, they're flirting, you know, you can, yeah. even with a sound off, right? If you're from a distance, you can tell when someone's flirting. Yeah. So, I, and that I went deep and that actually really helped me build my confidence mm. because I realized that I was almost pointing at the girl. And I think the reason was is I, in my head, right, she's so beautiful. She's so, you know, right. she's tanned and she's got like lovely boobs and, yeah. you know, all of this and like lovely muscles. And here I am and just like flat, a hairnet, pr pretty much all day, every day at Quest. That's what we were, I was building our shipping department. Yeah. So I was just in a hairnet most of the time. And you've got to like food grade, you can't like wear makeup and there's certain things you can't do. And so I just ended up realizing I started to feel shitty about myself and it was because I wasn't putting in the effort. Mm. And that actually allowed me to look inwards and then build my confidence so that when it came to it, literally, now lady you could send me a photo and be like lisa i just saw tom walking down the street and look i took a photo and his arm is around another woman and if you send it to me i'll go oh maybe she was crying maybe yeah. like you know and i would never go to oh he's cheating now look i want everyone at home to know i have never been cheated on so that is coming from a place of me being with my husband for 21 years and being able to say that right. i understand if you've got a past where you, a guy has potentially cheated on you, and so now that becomes a triggering thing. But for me, looking inwards when I felt jealous was actually the most beautiful thing I did. I think that's a great piece as well. I mean, I've, I've always thought to myself, like, if I am ever jealous of anyone, like, why do they have something that I want or that I don't think I have? Because I think that's really where it comes from, right? Because if you were to see if the other girl's wearing double hairnets, you know, <laughs> you're not jealous. <laughs> And she's got like, you know, not even flat, but she's, she's like indented, you know, you're not feeling jealous that Tom's talking to her. That woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so true, but that's the thing. It's like, it's in the comparison thing, yeah. right? And so I actually think when I was younger and insecure, I would look at things that I either wanted and I would, then it would make me feel bad about myself. But mm -hmm. now I really get inspired. Like I look at other amazing, powerful women yeah. yourself, right? And I just get inspired by being around you. I get inspired by being around other women to see what's possible instead of it being a reflection of what I'm not. Yes. I think one thing too is like, you know, if, even like openly, like if I see a very attractive woman, I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. Mm. And Alex is like, oh yeah, she's very beautiful. And then if I see a attractive man, I'm like, oh wow, he's very good looking. He's like, oh yeah, he's good looking. And like, we can talk, you know what I mean? It's like objective mm -hmm. versus like, I don't know, like hiding. Like, I don't expect that now that Alex has been, that he's my husband, that he doesn't think other women are attractive. Oh, I completely And agree. that he won't look at, and I, I am with so, but I'm with so many women that do think that. Like my husband can't look at other women. He can't, I don't want him to talk about how attractive. And I feel like that is like, it's just the opposite of reality. You know what I mean? Like, I look at other women and find them attractive. I'm staring at her ass. <laughs> you know, I, me first, you know, because I think I look at other women more than men, you know what I mean? And so I, I also just think a lot of people argue with reality in that. And then it creates more jealousy because you're like, he looked at her. It's like, of course, she's beautiful. You know, like, that's what she wants. She wants people to look at her. And like, you want people to look at you too. And so I think it might be controversial, though, because many people have been burned, right? Many yeah. people have been burned by the guy that ends up looking at the woman and then sleeping with her. So I completely understand that if you've got that experience. I understand it. I just don't want people to bring it to the new guy who doesn't know anything. Yeah, you're right. And I remember when I first went on a date with Tom on the first date, he was just like, of course you find Brad Pitt handsome. He's like, I find Brad Pitt. I yeah. want his abs. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? And it almost gave me then permission because before that I was in a toxic relationship with a guy literally would lose his shit, lose his shit 
when the time I had said, oh my God, Brad Pitt's so handsome. And I'm watching Fight Club and I'm just sitting with it. And he imagine in a movie, you're watching a movie and it, they lose their shit. So that was why it then, uh. I then retreated, right? Because I learned bad behavior or I learned the behavior was don't say another guy's attractive, otherwise you're gonna trigger him. That was a learned behavior. But then when mm. I met Tom, who was very secure, yeah. there was like, of course. So that then made, gave me permission to actually be honest and then realize if there's 7.5 billion people in the world, do you really think out of everybody, he's only gonna find me attractive? Exactly. And here's the beauty that I find in this discussion is that if you think about it, maybe there's a billion people he finds attractive, but we're together. He chose me. Now, of course, it goes both ways. I, there's that many people and I chose him. Yeah. But that's the beauty. That's the beauty in the relationship. If, even though you find other people attractive, you still choose to be with this person. Right. And that's there's so much power. more than that. Yeah. And everything we're talking about with confidence and resilience and just like how to hold your own and stand on your own. Um, you've told me in the past that you've got backlash about your plastic surgery. Mm. So how have you, if you don't mind, yeah. um, how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with that as being confident and not taking it um, to heart or yeah, really showing up? You did a whole video about it. Yeah. I, I thought a lot about it because basically, you know, I had scheduled getting a nose job like four and a half years ago and then COVID hit and it was in New York City and it was like, you know, everything shut down. So I, I postponed it. And then I was like, OK, I'm going to do it at some point. I like called them. I'm like, do I still have the I paid for part of it? Right. And so it's like I still have they're like, yeah, you know, whenever you want to come in, I kept putting it off. And then we started acquisition.com. I decided I wanted to make content. And then I it was like two things happening separately, which is like me not realizing, oh, I'm making content now and this is like a whole different thing. And then me being like, yeah, yeah, let's schedule that nose job I wanted. And I scheduled it. And then I'm like, I remember like afterwards thinking, oh shit, what's it gonna be like to like make content after this? Cause like, I also have fake boobs and like nobody knew me when I got those done, right? So it's like, it doesn't make a difference. Like nobody knew, right? It's the change. It's like it the didn't notice, happen, yeah. right? Right. And so this time around, I I thought to myself, I was like, okay. At first, I was just like nervous. I'm like, oh my god, I feel like I'm just gonna get such shit on. Um, I was like, what would a woman that I would feel is worthy of being respected and worthy of having the attention of these people do? It's like I look at it like. I'm earning people's attention every time I make content and they don't have to give me their attention. I don't deserve it. I'm earning it by putting out valuable things. Like I, I do something, I say something that has a value for people. And so I was like, how could I turn this into something that's valuable for other people? And I was like, the only way that it is valuable for other people is if I talk about it. I know people who have done things and not talked about it. And I think a lot of like celebrities, for example, like they don't and it just kind of like shows up, right? And you're like, um, is anyone gonna say anything? And, you know, I thought about that as an alter, uh, like I really did. I was like, I just don't wanna have to talk about, because I talk about business for the most part. I don't even talk about appearance. But like, I actually then think it's been like this really great opportunity because one, I decided I wanna talk about it because I don't want other women to feel shame if they wanna do that. Do I say I'm an advocate of plastic surgery? No, I'm an advocate of like, do whatever the fuck you wanna do. And so if you wanna get plastic surgery, I don't want you to feel bad about it. 
because I am not into shaming people on any decision they want to make, right? Like if you're not hurting somebody, what do I care? And so I was like, I think that's what I need to do is to just be open about it, be honest, talk about what I did. Um, I think that's the only way that I can turn this into a net positive for myself. And so that's what I did is I basically like when I got the surgery done, I took pictures and I took pictures every day. Um, and I ended up also getting a brow lift. So I went in for a nose job and the guy was like, you would look really good if you did brows. And I was like, I was nervous. I almost said no, because I, was like, I don't want to get more done that people are going to see. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I want to do it. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, yeah, throw it in, you know, cause that's just kind of how I am. I don't care. I was like, if it looks good, it looks good. Um, it's been really interesting because I have actually gotten so much more support from women than I expected because I've been honest about it and because I haven't tried to hide it and I haven't tried to make it a secret. Um, and actually most of the people who have said anything negative have been men, which I found odd. But I, I have actually found so much freedom in doing it because I think it also, I think that when I make content, like I talk so much about business that I, I actually have primarily like more than half my audience is men. And I think that I realize like, I don't talk about any of the other stuff that is like who I am. You know, like I don't talk about like fitness or my marriage or my like, only if asked, will I talk about those things, right? Like this is not even the type of podcast I'm usually on. <laughs> I know. I'm usually on like all business. Like I, I was like, here's my topics. You're like, I don't really know if someone else will I'm like, okay. Um, and I think that if I want to have more of an impact on people, they need to know who I am 360, not just through business. And I think this opened up that lens for me of seeing that and seeing an unexpected positive response to me being honest about it was actually very encouraging. Of course, there's people who say a very mean things. I was like, oh my God, that was awful. Like, but more than not, people have been very supportive. And I really just think it's because I'm being honest. Like the one commitment that I've made making content is like my only goal is that I am who I am, no matter what that means. Like if people don't like that, I'm still going to say it because it's who I am. And at the end of the day, I think that that's the only way I can, one, continue to make content. Because if I feel like me, Layla on content is not who Layla is, I just feel ugh. like, I just like, I hate that, you know? And I think in the beginning I was so nervous. I was like, every time I watched it, I was like, ugh, because it didn't feel like me. But now I think it's like, if I'm sharing who I am and what's my truth, even if people don't like it, even if it's not their, their vibe, as long as it's me being truthful, that's all that matters to me. I just want to be honest and transparent in a world where I feel like everyone is trying to not be, you know, I'm like, show me without makeup, show me two weeks after surgery when I look like shit. Like I literally like watching the video, I was like, I look so bad in some of these shots, like so bad, you know? And even some of them when they're, they're capturing me, there's so many things I see that I don't like. And I just like, I literally just like, I'm like, I know this is good. Like I close my eyes and I'm like, put it out. Cause like it will help people. And I want, I know if I do it enough times, if I take the action enough times, I eventually will feel good about it. That's so strong because there's so many moments in that story that you you could have just said no because of the judgment that you would get, you would have gotten. Um, and it's so relatable, not even just with plastic surgery. I've never had any, but the relatability of not doing something you really want to do because you're so fearful of the judgment that may come with it. I think every female can freaking relate yeah. to that. And so having a North Star of as long as I'm honest, as long as um, were you reminding yourself why you were doing it? Like, this is for me. Yeah. Is that I just kept thinking to myself, if I 
don't figure out how to make content and be completely transparent with the world about who I am, I just won't keep making content. Because mm -hmm. I don't, if the representation of Layla on the internet is not who Layla really is, then I don't feel like I'm accomplishing my goal. Because I actually think that how I came off even the first like year and a half in content is way worse than what I'm like in real life. Like people who know me well tell me that. We were at dinner the other day and my teammate was like, he's like, when I watched your content, I thought you were just a bitch. And I was like, oh, and he's like, and you're like so nice and funny and empathetic. And I'm like, oh my God. So I have just made it my goal. Like if, if everyone who watches my content can see me the way that everyone who knows me sees me, like I just want to bridge that gap. Mm. Yeah, that's so important. You even said like, this isn't your usual interview because we haven't really spoken about business. And I was really debating. Now, here's the thing. You're so freaking good at business. And I love talking about business, right? Like 85% yeah. of my life is actually revolved around business. How do I grow the YouTube channel? What's the algorithm saying? What's the team? Are they happy? Where's the management? Like all of this stuff. But every time I always come back to the reason why, part of the reason why I think you're so freaking successful and how you were able to go from where we even started, right? Where you were overweight, drugs, alcohol, arrested, to be the person you are today. I really think it's because of what you've done to your mindset. Mm. I think if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have the confidence, if you don't have resilience, if you don't know how to set boundaries, you're not going to be able to survive in business. Yeah. And so that was why I think it's so important to really like, I want to like extract everything that Layla was behind the scenes so that if someone looks and it's like, I want to be successful, I, not even successful, I want to make a change in my life. Yeah. And that what does that mean to them? They have the tools in order to do it. And whether that's business or not, you can then show up with the tools that you need to keep moving forward. You're right. I mean, it's true. Like, our first business grew so quickly. And, you know, people are always like, what's the secret to success? But it's like, don't look at what the person's doing today. Look at what they did years ago, mm -hmm. you know, to build the, to build who they are, to actualize the success. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I say it all the time. It's like losing the weight and getting out of that point in my life was probably the hardest thing that I did. The second hardest thing was starting the company, but it was easier because I'd already done the first thing. Honestly, homie, I've so freaking enjoyed this conversation. Um, really given everyone the tactics and tools that you've used in order for you to be able to change your life and show up today like a freaking badass. So Thank where you. can people follow you and everything that you're doing? Um, go to uh, my podcast is Build on uh, iTunes, Spotify, all the platforms, uh, YouTube, Layla Hormozy, Instagram, Layla Hormozy, Twitter, Threads. It's just all at Layla Hormozy. <laughs> at everywhere. Yeah, just my name. Yeah, type it in.